A couple of announcements I'm going to get out of the way first, just off the top. Um, first, we just wanted to say we hope everyone is staying safe out there um, and taking care of each other and taking care of yourselves. We love you guys so much. Thank you for joining us tonight. Um, we're going to try to use this platform to do some good. And if you're here, you're probably feeling the same way. So we appreciate that. Thank you. Um, the next thing, a uh, little bit of a side thing. Uh, I just wanted to wish uh, a, a very happy birthday to the late uh, Rene Aubergenois, who uh, today is his birthday. He, of course, played Odo. Um, the you know uh, just a huge fixture in star trek um his castmates uh, love him dearly everyone has said nothing but wonderful things about him and i have an interesting piece of trivia about him when i was reading up on him today to do some research for the announcement this is going to blow your mind if you didn't know this but rene herbergenois his great 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 grandmother was marie or <laughs> shorthand name ready for this you guys Caroline Bonaparte. And if that last name sounds familiar, it is because, yes, she was the younger sister of Napoleon. <laughs> so Rene Bergenois is actually royalty. Um, which... It might be aggressively French. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I thought that was utterly fascinating. I had no idea. Uh, some of the star diehard Trek fans knew this, but I thought that was pretty wild. Um, so I wanted to to share that because I was just blown away when I was looking that up. Um, related younger sister of Napoleon I of France, <clears throat> who by the way um, was kind of a mean guy. Um, history, as many famous historians have said. Um, so happy birthday, Renee. We love you and miss you. Um, the next big announcement that I have that I wanted to get out of the way before we uh, get to our final announcement is um, we have a big date to announce to you guys. Um, specifically, it's time to announce when everyone can expect the launch of the Klingon game. Um, the Klingon game, which is, y'all are going to get blown away by the fact that it has yet to be titled, <laughs> as we are still basing the title. Titling a show really has a lot to do with finding the spirit of what the show is going to be about and learning about the characters and learning about what we want out of it. We don't just sort of pick a pretty name. Clear Skies was the perfect name for this show, considering where we were coming from and where we plan on going to. And so it matched up really well. As the Klingon game is forming, we're still coming up with that title, and it's been a lot of fun. But I can tell you guys now that July 6th is going to be a very big day for the Klingon Empire. So uh, set, your, set notices. Monday, July 6th, we, we shall all uh, serve the Empire well. So definitely set, the, we're gonna be tweeting that out too. Um, so that was the big, the big announcement that I had tonight. Uh, July 6th, the Klingon game is greenlit and go. Uh, we're really looking forward to seeing you guys there. As a quick reminder, the Klingon game will be once a month. It will be played sort of as an off, an off game of Clear Skies. It will be taking place in the same setting. So it is going to be uh, sort of the, <laughs> we're, we're vasting this, you guys. <laughs> we're vasting this. Um, the, are you eye is bright? Is, is, is it the eye shines bright? Okay, just checking, just get, just checking. <laughs> so yeah, so we're gonna have basically two crews and on uh, once a month, we're gonna be visiting our Klingon crew. I'm really excited about that. Um, there's a lot of really exciting announcements coming up for the Klingon game, so stay tuned for that. Um, that was all I had. Um, before we turn things over to Aki, did anybody else have any announcements that they wanted to get out of the way? Does anybody have anything now? Okay, cool. Aki, I think you wanted to take the floor for a second. Uh, yes. Um, so the first thing I want to do is say huge, huge thank you 
uh, not only to the Ox crew, but to the community at large, the people who have been following everybody who's on this screen and the people who were once on our screen more regularly between Amy Dallin's fundraiser and my fundraiser and the fundraiser that we're doing right now, you guys have already raised over $6,000 to become uh, to be donated to varying uh, places. Uh, right now, Q Times is for the next week raising money uh, in combination with collaboration with our show and other shows on the channel to raise money for community bail funds all over the country use, uh, through uh, Act Blue. Um, basically, the way it works is that you donate to this particular fund and it gets dispersed to a bunch of different uh, community bail funds. And as you know, we have. Um, uh, resistance is happening all over the country right now and so we have a lot of people who need that type of help um, but the one thing that I really want to say is that um, watching this community stand up and say that enough is enough together and to work together to do what they can uh, where they are um, that means so much to uh, those of us without the power to do that right now um, I just, yeah, I love all of you very much and I appreciate everything that you're doing. Wherever you are in the world, it doesn't matter if you're in the States or if you're in Europe or if you're in Africa, wherever you are, uh, find the things that aren't working and figure out a way to make them not be that way anymore in whatever small way you can. Um, we appreciate you so much and we love you and thank you for being here with us. I'm gonna end cap with what you just said, Aki, because we passed 1200. <laughs> um, so there is that y'all are helping people who are uh, who are out there making their voices heard and who are being unjustly dragged away we stand with them we love you guys thank you so much for helping us with this um, it's helping out a lot um, you're making a difference we appreciate it thank you it's absolutely in the spirit of everything that stream punk stands for um, and what hope punk is which is what we do it's been our it's been our mission statement to like try to spread that and uh uh K kylan kraus would be furious right now <laughs> so um without any further ado i think we'll go ahead and launch into tonight's episode of clear skies
<laughs> we're in the middle of conversation and Jake was like, by the way, we're coming back in five, four, three, two, one. Um, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we were just uh, coming back. Uh, we were singing the praises of one B. Dave Walters, who's also doing some wonderful work in the community right now. Um, Clear Skies, um, before we jump into the episode tonight, just to let everybody know, for the entirety of the week, Q Times is going to be raising money. Um, so we're going to be doing a lot of streams uh, all throughout the week. Um, I personally, um, we're in the middle of trying to see if we can plan possibly a one-shot. We'll announce something when we have it, but the idea is to do some more some more support and to supply some more content and to connect with you guys because this is what we do, and if we can use this for a platform for good and elevating voices, we're going to do it. So, Special bam. Right. And we love you, B-Dave. You, you, you good people. We do love you very much. Um, so, let's go ahead and submerge ourselves once more into the 24th century um into a future that has gone through all of these horrifically painful growing pains and has come out the other side um a, a society that is a little more mature a little more capable of taking care of itself a little more capable of 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 forging ahead it's gone through those motions that we're going through now. Um, right now, the USS Ross has found itself in a pretty unique position, having been essentially dragged away from its mission at Narendra Station across the quadrant into Klingon space, or at the edge of Klingon space, to have a rendezvous at Starbase 105, where they were given mysterious orders that were apparently signed by C Admiral Catherine Janeway, but also weren't? There's something very wrong going on, but they're being stonewalled by the brass. Not only just the brass, but as apparently an ally to the ship. In fact, the Admiral that could be credited for essentially getting Captain Sull the center chair, um, for ensuring that the Ross would launch. Admiral Nollis Ree is apparently running interference and is attempting to get the USS Ross to fulfill a mission that's being handed down by his office with the authorization of Admiral Janeway. Of course, the crew of the USS Ross, having smelled something fishy, after some investigation discovered without any tangible proof that this message from Admiral Janeway very likely was not written by Admiral Janeway. There's something very off about the orders, but there's no way to verify out here on the edge of the Federation space. And so, swept up into what is happening, the Ross is having to fulfill its duty, though no one likes it, considering the three people that have just beamed on board, a Vorta and two Jim Hadar. Would anybody like to remind the, our audience the name of our Vorta? Nadrin. What's that? Nadrin. Nadrin. Yep. Nadrin, Nadrin, Nadrin. Mm. Nadrin. And Nadrin is a... Mr. Punchable face. There we are. A very punchable face. Yes, Vorta. Um, the mission is quite simple. Since the end of the Dominion War, apparently there was a founder, a changeling, that was responsible for infiltrating and causing havoc within the Orion Syndicate. In truth, while the Vorta were doing negotiations to secure the allyship of the Orion Crime Syndicate, apparently, at the same time, a changeling had also infiltrated the Orion Crime Syndicate and was pulling the strings, because of course they were. Now, this 
has a special tie to one of our crew members, in fact. The captain, Azri Sul, was actually a member of Starfleet Intelligence back in those days and was instrumental in locating, proving the existence of, and hunting down this changeling. Never caught, however, but enough was exposed that the Orion Crime Syndicate literally fell upon itself. Um, members of the Syndicate didn't know who to trust. And without that famous Starfleet discipline, what would normally happen to some people happened to the Orion Syndicate. They became paranoid, and they literally started eating them. The, the, the Orion Syndicate started eating itself alive. <laughs> Perhaps not literally, but wouldn't that have been a spectacular show? Um, since then, the Orion Syndicate has fractured, and no one ever heard of or discovered what happened to that changeling again. It seems the past has come back to haunt Captain Sull. Because it's apparently this changeling is still out here somewhere and is still doing God's know what here in the Alpha Quadrant or the Beta Quadrant. Now, this Vorta's mission is to find the founder and to bring them back to the Gamma Quadrant. And as a result, the USS Ross has had to play host to one of the most irritating and dangerous crew member. Uh, guests aboard their ship that they've ever had to host we're picking up tonight's episode just outside uh or rather just inside the yukvar system this system was sort of like a legendary place that starfleet intelligence has been trying to find for ages it is a pirate haven or smuggler's den that has apparently been one of the more powerful strongholds of the orion syndicate but it was such a well-kept secret and so difficult to locate on deep space scanners that they never found it um this vorta nodron has been able to uncut what basically showed up with the coordinates because it was the last known position of this changeling. And now, for the first time in its history, this planet <laughs> has, Yukavar has basically, um, the Yukavar system has basically spotted a Federation starship for the first time in its, in its history. A Ross-class starship has come out of warp and entered the system. It has passed the threshold of the asteroid belt. And on the other side is uh, the planet uh, Yukonai, I believe is the name of it, is the name of our planet. I, I should probably write a little more clear for my own good here. But yes, um, you can I. Um, as a quick refresher, this system is something of an astrological uh, anomaly and a beauty. It's a trinary system. There are two main sequence white stars that are circling a, <laughs> they are circling what would appear to be a, oh, what do I have written here? It's a blue oh. neutron star. Yeah, that's a neutron star. Sorry, I, my writing is awful. <laughs> this is why you type this stuff up. Um, Are you a doctor? I'm sorry? I know, right? <laughs> I'm not a doctor, but I play one on an RPG. Um, two white main sequence star, which are in orbit of a neutron star. The gravitational forces in this sector are tremendous. And to make things even more frustrating is the planet of Yukonai is actually a, a planet that doesn't have a hospitable surface at all. The under, under the surface, however, is a colony built deep within the crust of the planet itself. It's the only colony on the planet. It is detectable by sensors, 
but only scattered readings. Not only is magnetic interference in here because of the neutron star, a bit of a problem, but to make matters worse, this planet has heavy kelvinite deposits, making transporting down there impossible. Um, Syndicate built a criminal underground. Literally. On the nose, don't we think? In conclusion of this very long recap, um, the USS Ross reached out and boldly hailed <laughs> the pirate colony to make its make its presence known and to uh, ask to speak with the person in command. A very nervous individual answered and upon learning the name of the captain immediately directed them to an Orion. Um, as a quick reminder, it's an Orion. This Orion is broad-shouldered and leather. It looks like a thick leather uh, sort of like uniformed folded overcoat with an eye patch. does have a few of the sporadic uh, old school metal or like golden brass sort of Orion plates off the top of the head. Um, an Orion male who is carrying himself with a confidence and a swagger and a slight, a slight air of overconfidence. More interesting. Was the word you were looking for sexy? I was gonna say, I was gonna say stupid, but then I thought sexy, and I couldn't make up, I couldn't make up my mind which one if it was stupid or sexy. Yeah. The Orion, upon coming on screen, identified Captain Sull and announced how much he has always hoped that this moment would come, and we are picking up this episode farther from home in this moment. This Orion with this bright, these bright white teeth contrasted against this dark green skin, this grin on his face as he leans slightly towards the view screen. Um, he gives you a long look with those bright pale green eyes, Azari, and he lingers after his sentence, waiting for you to speak. Then I hope you're going to invite me by. Well, it would make me feel better, though looking you up and down, I can tell you're going to visit our little planet whether I invite you or not, aren't you? Oh, I do believe I am. So, it would be so nice to do so with an invitation. Uh, sorry, I didn't get your name. We should talk in person before I hand that one out. But... You did the right thing contacting me. I'm going to arrange a meetup. If you want to send a shuttlecraft, I'll transmit coordinates to a shuttle bay and we can meet there. I'll see you soon. Nameless one. Cuts out. At about that point, a very irritated looking prawl <laughs> looks down at his console and says, Captain, I'm getting the coordinates. Excellent. We're going to put together an away team. Uh, like Kat, uh, McCrell, we want the two of you, bare minimum. Bare minimum, Captain, you hear Prawl immediately stiffen. In his voice, he just kind of leans over and says, Captain, you want a security detail, correct? I want some staff well-rated in security. You have the security ratings of everyone on the senior staff memorized, as you well know. And I want my very, very best shot sitting at the ship phaser. 
then I can send other members of the team with you, Captain? A small group for now. Okay, for the very first time since you've taken command, Azari, you see Prawl actually look over at Exio for backup. He looks like he kind of reaches, he stops himself short from protesting because you've given the order. So he does this number where he goes, and he looks over at you, Exio, expecting you to say something. You're muted. Uh, yep. <laughs> Exio sees, immediately knows the eye contact is coming towards them. <laughs> and um, wasn't going to question it. Mm-hmm. Um, and doesn't offer aid to Prawl, but does look at Captain, um, like, anticipates the eye contact and without making eye contact with Prawl, looks to the captain, can, can n- know, like, even knows it's happening. You dodge Prawl, basically. <laughs> I dodge Prawl. <laughs> okay. Um, and automatically look at the captain, um, and, uh, and say, um, if you require us, technically count as a body count, Captain. Understood. Yes. Very adequate backup, I should say. Uh, you're on to then, Commander. Then I look at Prawl. The Trill, he's always, Yuri Prawl has always had a really shitty poker face. Um, he's, yes. he, he's never been very good at hiding how he's feeling. And the clinch in his jaw is visible to, I mean, the, he's muscular. The clinch in his jaw is visible to everybody on the bridge. So he straightens out, his, rolls his shoulders back and says, I, Captain. The numbers are unfavorable regardless, Mr. Prawl. I would rather come in and let them wonder why we don't need to bring a whole lot of security. There's no way that we'll make it in a shootout anyway. Rather intimidate them. The 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 slight push of his jaw almost forms a uh, like a brief pout look in his face. He is fighting his greatest fight to not reply to that and just nod slowly. Good. Be about it then. I'll see all of you in the shuttle bay in 10 minutes. Uh, Ambassador, a word before we go? Of course, Captain. Are the two of you going somewhere else? Uh, Pop into the ready room real quick. Okay, as soon as the two of you walk into the ready room, Prawl strides down the ramp and approaches you, Exio. Yes. <laughs> and says, Commander, I have to formally protest this course of action. Do you not believe me capable of protecting our captain? I believe the captain is beaming into a hostile environment where people are aware of their contributions through Starfleet intelligence. I think the entire I... Orion Syndicate, what's left of it, is going to know the captain is down there. And I'm sure that this is not the first time they have done so. 
No security team, Commander. None of yours. And Axio sort of buffs up their shoulders a little as a as a as a literal flex and a and and a, a comfort. It, the point is to 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 remind him of what I am. Right, you're showing him the guns. Um, okay. Yeah. So, Prawl just, there's a mixture of, you, you get, it, it, it's like, a, it's like an, an engine venting hot air, and he just kind of, yes. I, Commander. I lean forward as I can tell that that, <laughs> um, and I just, um, I understand your concern, and I want you to understand that everything you know of how to protect a ship and its crew, I know as well. You also get this, I mean, especially you, Exio, who can read people like catalogs, you definitely get the sense that Prawl wants to talk back, but he just nods and says, I Commander. It will be fine. And if it doesn't, shoot. And then I turn away from him and head to the the shuttle bay. He he stands there for a moment as you exit and as you step into the, the turbo lift. Um, he just- No, no, blip. blinking? I blip at the door. You blip? Okay. Um, he stands Captain along the bridge. Um, with- with that, Vren glances back at him, and Prawl just looks at Vren and says, eyes on your station, Lieutenant. And Vren swivels back to his chair and says, yes, sir. We'll cut to the ready room, as the two of you have just now entered into the ready room. Uh, yes, Captain, you wanted to speak with me. I was hoping I could solicit your help in a matter ambassador. I mean, uh, any way I can help in this situation, I would like to be able to, sir. As you saw Admiral Nestus say when we first left on this mission, these orders are unusual. Some might even say sketchy. I've been getting that vibe off of you and Exio that something wasn't quite right. I looked into it through my own channels, and that was very clearly anticipated and rebuffed. But your back channels are very different than mine, Ambassador. You might be able to uncover something where I could not if simply because whoever's trying to keep this within Starfleet probably didn't coordinate with any of your contacts. Well, I would imagine that in order to avoid full-scale implosion, if this were to ever become public knowledge, there has to be somebody who gave at least some kind of information to someone in order to avoid such thing, or nobody's heard about it, and it's even worse than we thought. Right, there should be ripples in your line of work if this was done on the up-and-up. There should have been 
people would have been warned. I should imagine. Well, well, this is the thing. Nobody warned me. <laughs> so, whomever you know, Federation, otherwise, anyone you can talk to while I'm down there, try to make some sense of what is going on here. I guess I could maybe start with my parents. Wherever you see fit. They know everyone. Truly know everyone, so... We'll see. However you see fit. These are your people, your network. And our crew. Definitely. I'm really sorry that you find yourself caught in this... Whatever this is. I'm sure it's necessary. Either way, if you feel like borrowing patience for some frisbee practice after all this is over, feel free. Oh, can we start working on some of those tricks? I've been hoping. Of course. As soon as I get back. Very soon, I'm sure. Thank you, Ambassador. I do oh. have to be going and meeting this person. By the way, I appreciate you bringing LaCat along. I think she needs the distraction and not being on this ship might be good for her. And she's a damn good shot. She's a very good shot. You should have met her when I first did. <laughs> Maybe now was the right time for the two of us to meet. Very possibly. Take care. Be safe. Make sure uh, Prawl doesn't have an aneurysm when I'm gone. Oh, I can feel him through the door. It's very distracting. <laughs> he is not happy. I don't envy you that. Come on. <laughs> Good luck, Captain. And you, Ambassador. Make my way down to the shuttle bay. Uh, Commander Prawl. What's that? As I go to the turbo lift. You have the bridge, Commander Prawl. Aye, Captain. Captain. As you step into the turbo lift, request permission to have a shuttlecraft on standby. With a security team. Absolutely. Thank you, Captain. He strides down the ramp and slides into the center chair. Make note. Okay. Um, you enter the cavernous, echoous room of Shuttle Bay 1. This is the largest open space on the ship, and it has multiple levels. You can still hear like the crew. I mean, if, if you can't imagine a giant hangar on the back of a galaxy class scaled starship, this area is well lit. It is echoous. It has um, personnel staff, ox crews everywhere. Everyone's standing at attention as the captain and three senior officers uh, following them up step on, into the uh, car, into the hangar bay. Um, you stride across the way. <laughs> I have to ask. Um, what shuttle are you taking, Captain? 
Are you taking a standard shuttlecraft or are you taking something else? The San Antonio will do, I think. San Antonio it is. Okay, so you take the Danube runabout. Um, who's flying, by the way? Who wants to fly mm. the shuttlecraft? <laughs> Y'all walk up and you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, none of us can fly this thing. <laughs> Yes, I'm that certainly entirely not depends on you, thing. Captain. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, since you and I would know, Commander, who is well-rated? It's true, yeah. Who has a good con score? Who has a con control con is what you want. So who's got a good control con score? I have a 13 total. A 13? Yeah. That's actually quite good. That's good. That, yeah, um, I have a 13 as well, but it's 13 still... is well qualified. But so whoever wants to, if you've got a 13 score, then you can fly. You you can certainly fly them down to the planet. You wouldn't be in a peregrine fighter, but you you can totally take a. a uh... You want to give the cat the keys? <laughs> oh, I very much do. I'm picturing Sitting right beside her. I think she'll definitely have exactly as much fun as she hopes. From I'm trying time. to I'm trying to parody the song "Jesus Take the Wheel," but with a cat take the wheel in my head right now. Um, make that happen, would you, Library Bards? Can Please. I, I wouldn't. I'm kidding. I wouldn't wish that on you guys. All right. So, um, all right. So you all loaded up into the Danube shuttle class. Um, as the back hatch door uh, closes, you see a few of the Starfleet officers assembling behind. Uh, the shuttle bay door closes. Um, the Danube class is the perfect long-range shuttle. Warp capable, it's got a living space in the back, um, and it also has a sufficient weapon system to defend itself if it needs to. So as you all sit down into your seats and start powering it up online, um, looking out the window, just across the way near one of the other other shuttle bays you all see a bunch of operational yellow uniformed uh security officers um assembling at near one of the other shuttlecrafts uh just out of curiosity for for my own sake so i can make note who's all on the away mission so i know who's all going that would be mccrell you mm -hmm. cat captain azari sull mm -hmm. and exio okay Thank you. Just wanted to make sure if I wasn't missing anyone or like an NPC. Commander Exio. Yeah. Nope. You've got it. So, um, so that's you guys all loaded up. Captain, apparently, Prawl is making good on his desire to ensure that he has a strike team on standby if things go south. Um, I appreciate you his preparation, even though I'm endlessly vexing to him. <laughs> yeah. He's basically got a team of, of seven security officers currently uh, currently checking phaser rifles and energy ratings on the phaser rifles as you guys are getting ready to take off. Um, you hear Control say, San Antonio, you are cleared for launch, activating tractor beams now. And you all hear um, in the distance on the overhead, the, the alerts going off as you see the shuttle bay door goes... <laughs> begin to slide open that ambient blue glow of the force field that's been already activated and the crisp, endless, seductive darkness of deep space with 
the sunlight from these two white stars casting a glow across the hull of the USS Ross. You can see as the shuttle bay doors, this the back tips of the nacelles, which are multiple football lengths away from you. Again, being able to see the Ross at this scale is a yet another reminder at the sheer immensity of this vessel. <laughs> um, but also a an spectacular view of the asteroid belt that you flew through. Um, from here, you're catching all of this, the celestial glory of this trinary system. Um, you can even see in the distance the bright pinpoints of light from uh, planets that are, or the gas giant that is about well, like 30 million kilometers away. Um, there's a brief sort of as the shuttle is lifted off of the deck and coasts very gently as the tractor beam just pushes you right through the force field. And then you hear on the overcom say, tractor beam disengaged. Clear skies, San Antonio. <laughs> You're free floating. Take us down, Lieutenant. I see why Ren has a hard time keeping his eyes on the road. Um, mm. And you can tell she thinks it's beautiful up here. Um, yeah, I would like to enter the coordinates that we've been given and okay. go straight on down. Make um, a would you like to hail anyone before we make our descent? You weren't well, given instructions to. That would be standard, but you weren't actually given any instructions to. Okay. So Great. it'll be up to y'all when you get down there. Um, I need you to make a control con roll. Difficulty is zero. Oh, that's good. That's um, pretty... Yeah. Oh, dang, two successes. <laughs> okay, great. So grab two momentum. Yeah. And you all coast away from the USS Ross. Again, uh of a beautiful view of the nacelles and the aft of the ship. <laughs> Do you want to crack the joke, Sam, or should I? <laughs> oh, I was actually focused on your description for once, Eric. What madness is this? All right, so you guys, you guys fly over that aft and begin to pass um, beyond the bubble of the USS Ross. The, sh the planet below um, actually kind of resembles uh, Jadaran in a way. It is this dark, sort of orange, rocky-looking world that seems to have, from the from orbit, it seems to have a smattering of plant life on the surface. But again, your scanners indicate that the heat levels on the on the surface of this planet make it nigh impossible for biological life forms to exist, which kind of ignites your imagination a little bit, Lacat, because whatever plant life is down there is able to exist in an environment that was normally hostile towards life forms of their caliber. Um, as you approach the upper atmosphere, you're becoming more and more aware of all of the traffic that has been zooming in and out of the planet's atmosphere. You encounter about eight different types of shuttlecraft, all civilian, coming and going to the upper atmosphere, as well as a few transports you see leaving. Judging from the fact that they're all sort of angling away, if you were to do a top, uh, like a top-down tactical view of your approach based on uh, signatures, energy signatures of the other ships, it would literally look like your the your Danube, the San Antonio coming in, and a bunch of people kind of making a swerve to the right. It would seem that everyone is very aware that a Federation starship has entered the system. Um, and before I get into uh, 
the next version, uh, what happens next is Lacat takes us down. I just want to let everybody know that we passed 2,400 on our fundraiser. Holy shit! Amazing. <laughs> we were at 20. We're at 2,466. We haven't even gotten to break yet. I know. What? Oh, really? I feel like I'm breaking right now. <laughs> Y'all are y'all are amazing. Y'all are going for an episode of Sam loses their shit. <laughs> um, Lacat has road rage. That's all. <laughs> You're like ah, oh, 2600. Oh, get out of the way. Um, so, uh, Lacat, it's 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 smooth sailing. There's a bit of bumps in the upper atmosphere, but as you move through, um, there is a lot of turbulence, a lot of warm air rising up off the surface of this planet. It causes a, bun a bit of bumps um, as you're entering into the upper atmosphere, but at, at that point, it becomes smooth sailing after you enter the uh, cut through the stratosphere. When you finally break through what is very light cloud cover, you get visual confirmation that this planet is mostly barren with scattering of trees and plant life all across the surface. Um, the coordinates are taking you to what looks like uh, a crag of some kind, some kind of cavern, or rather a uh, canyon that looks like it's probably, to give you some reference point, maybe two or three times, probably about three times larger than the Grand Canyon. Um, it is a vast open space that you see a lot of energy signatures coming and going from. You're getting, all of you are getting an excellent view of the surface of this world as you pass through. Also worth noting um, is as you are coasting and flying down towards this area of the canyon, you've entered into what is the twilight of this particular hemisphere. It is a spectacular sight to see two white main sequence stars orbiting a neutron star sunsetting. And it casts a spectacular ghostly-like glow across the cloud covers if as y'all begin to sink into the darkness. Um, until eventually you see what look like scatterings of thousands of fireflies, what are essentially guided lights for uh, flying craft into the canyon. The sensors are able to detect the flight path of which you've chosen. And Lacat, you basically see that with the information that you've been given, these coordinates actually take you through what looks like one of about maybe close to, a, from the computer is maybe about 200 flight paths into the canyons, like these open flying uh, sort of tunnels that take you down below the surface. Um, the closer you get to the coordinates of which you are entering, the more you see how populous this place is. As you approach, you can see a swarm of lights of shuttles and, sh and transports coming and going out of this place. This place, if the Dominion War ended and the Orion Syndicate shattered, this place hasn't seen a slowdown in business at all. And it's worth noting, Azari, that this place may have actually ended up becoming sort of even more populated due to the Orion Syndicate falling apart. This planet may have actually benefited being one of the last few bastions of this sector, having illicit activity taking place under the nose of two major governments. They needed some place to feel safe from all of our interference. Whoops. <laughs> And just like that, you were swallowed by this cave as the shuttlecraft, <laughs> the San Antonio maneuvers through, it's not tight turns or anything. It looks like this place was designed to actually accommodate transports. 
and eventually you start seeing what looks like uh, nav points and markers guiding shuttles in and out of this place. You can actually fit two flight paths through here. So you are seeing other shuttles pass you by along with some cargo uh, haulers. Scale two, so not very big. Um, eventually you come to a very large open space and by open space, I mean it's about the size of the Ross's uh, hangar bay, except for it's much more crude looking, like it's carved out of the rock. But there are these glossy steel looking uh, platforms where you see shuttles taking off and landing. And you do see on your coordinates, Cat, your shuttle is basically the flight plan guiding you right down onto one of these landing platforms. There's nobody, there's only one figure standing on the landing platform. And as the Danube class is approaching, this figure stands at about a about five five looks quite thin and the the unmistakable ears of a Ferengi hands on his hips just watching you kind of fly down um as the Danube begins to touch down he doesn't move and as the Danube begins to touch down it's literally like maybe five feet away from his face as you guys from the San Antonio docks okay we made it What's a little away mission without any stakes, huh? No fun. No fun. And then I turn to my captain. Remember, everyone, we are not in friendly territory, but if we can get help on this station, it will be so, so much easier to find this impossible needle in a haystack that turns into a safety pin in a haystack, that turns into a whole nother haystack. But more than anything, don't ever let them see you sweat. Hold your composure at all times. Give Be like Exio. Exio can literally freeze. <laughs> um, I don't have to sweat ever. Yeah, you're like, yes, Captain. Uh, I was saying for narrative's sake, uh, I want to point out that in my med kit, I brought some of the tests that uh, Chief Tech has been working on. Okay. I was thinking about that right as we took off. I was like, did I leave the oven on, so to speak? No. Um, yeah, so... That's what I'm here for. So as an example, um, this is just an example. If at any point during the game where you're like, oh shit, we should have brought tests, that's an excellent example of when you can drop momentum and be like, oh look, I remembered the tests. In this case, since we haven't even really started the engagement in the scene, you can absolutely say, hey, by the way, I brought these and it's, it's totally in play. So by the way, the tests aren't these one use disposable things. They're literally designed um, like hypo spray. So there's enough for everyone here and they're absolutely safe and reusable. Great. So, um, the doors of the shuttlecraft open. And you see moving around and peeking around the corner um, from a respectable distance away is this Ferengi. He is male. Looks like he has a tattoo on the upper left side of his head that would indicate that he was, or is a member of the, of the Ferengi uh, trade union. Um, Judging from his clothes, however, he doesn't look like he's a daemon. He doesn't look like he has an authority of any kind, even though the tattoo would indicate that he probably did at one point. Um, you see he's wearing what looks like, <laughs> it almost looks like an, a, 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 an original series era, like Tellarite shirt, where it's a little, it's a little, 
it's very colorful. It has sort of like a fabric to it. It's glittery and gold on the front and the rest of it. It's like this big golden square going down his front and the rest of it is dark green. He's wearing a belt, has a very visible, what looks like disruptor at his side. It's not a big one. It looks like a holdout. So like a very small weapon, but visible all the same. Um, thick boots that go about up to the midway of his shin and a small grin on his face. He's rubbing his hands together as the doors open. I'll move on out and greet our Frankie. Okay, as you step out, um, as you open your mouth to greet him, he throws his hand up and says, let's do pleasantries when we're not out in the open. Literally everybody on this rock knows who you are, Captain. Let's get out of sight and we'll do everything else there. How many people do I clock in this room? Um, there's a couple of dock workers who are glancing in this direction. They look like from various species across the quadrant. Um, humanoid, reptilian looking, you can't really pinpoint what it is from the shadowed, uh, the, the, the shadows that are being cast across this. Place is not really that well lit, um, but for the most part, it's empty. At least this docking bay is. And at about that point, the Ferengi pipes up and goes, sorry for being rude, everyone. It's very important that we move along, so just follow me this way. This way, we're moving, we're moving. Um, and he walks backwards a little bit and leads you the 60 feet towards what looks like in an elevator, one of those big cargo elevators. And as everyone's stepping on board, you just mind your hands. This thing goes faster than it looks. And away we go. And he presses this button and it goes. <laughs> and it goes frustratingly slow. And as it starts to slip beneath the surface of the hangar, the moment it leaves the surface and you guys slip into an elevator shaft, he turns and goes, sorry about that. Now I'm ready for some introductions. I should introduce myself first. My name is Sprack. I am the point man for our dear friend who has made it a point to tell me he wishes to introduce himself personally. So apologies again for the rudeness. He can be very obnoxious sometimes. We all have our particularities. You are Captain Azri Sol, and you are responsible for the creating the shatter point that brought down the Orion Crime Syndicate. One could say that I helped the Syndicate take out its trash, but we'll agree to disagree for the moment. Oh, it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. That's what everyone believes, Captain Sol. And on this rock, if you have consensus, then there's not much you can do about it. And uh, who are the rest of your uh, crew members here? Hello, I'm Commander Exio. That's an interesting name, Exio. Are you human? You. Um, designed human. Designed human. I think I might choose a, a more entertaining name than the dull human name if I had been designed as well. <laughs> no offense to humans. It's just their names are all very boring. I'm guessing there's no boring names in here. We have Exio and who are you? And he points at you, Lacat. Lieutenant Jane Lacat. Ah. I well, you Jane can't win them all. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jane is a wonderful name. And then she shuts up. He doesn't say anything. He just 
Victor, right? And of course, our doctor. Yes, I am the chief medical officer, Dr. McCrell. Oh, it's nice to meet you, Dr. McCrell. So, uh, I'm Sprack. I'm, uh, I'm Sprack. I'm a Ferengi. <laughs> I, uh, Worked here long. Unfortunately. God, I thought this thing was faster. He starts pressing the button over and over like he's desperate to get out of this awkward conversation. And he's like, um, a few years. Do what you can, you know. How's it been? It could have been worse. A lot worse. A lot, lot worse. I could have been tarred and feathered, as they say, in the square of commerce, but um, now I'm here. <sighs> While we're waiting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can uh, Jane just do like a cursory look at like the kind of elevator we're in as well as like um, she basically wants to get a reading on the kind of tech this place has. Okay. Um, and uh, I think that the elevator is just like a microcosm of that, right? It's like, is it going this slow because it's shitty or is it going this slow because it's designed that way? It looks like it's designed this way. It looks like it's actually designed without even having to roll. I'll tell you that this elevator looks like it is designed to transport delicate goods and so it doesn't move very fast. it's like a stock elevator in the back room you know what i mean <laughs> um he he kind of just kind of tapping his chest a little bit and um says uh so uh, what's the news you're a starfleet you've been out there a bit i don't hear much of what goes on outside the system how are things how's uh any news from ferenganar have y'all any Anything going on there? Run into any other Ferengi lately? <laughs> well, the market is not by here. That's always good. Hmm. Wait, the market's doing well? Does that surprise you? Uh, no, just a little envious, I guess. I miss being out there, you know? Right when things were getting good. Oh. This place seems to be quite booming at the moment. Yeah, it does all right, but uh, this place is actually teetering on the edge of a full-on civil war at the moment. <laughs> and that's not exciting. Not for me, no. I prefer to live, so... Uh, excitement for me is drinking too much, or uh, seeing a, a movie that I understand and then can go talk about like I know what I'm talking about. That's exciting. But, uh, civil war, not exciting. Quite stupid, really quite stupid who are the but, two opposing sides funny you should ask that i have a feeling my employer is going to want to tell you the story personally i can run my mouth from time to time no news from Ferenganar? just that the market's doing well oh thank god and he turns as you see the ceiling break underneath the elevator um the elevator begins to slide into an open room and looking up at you is the six and a half foot form of the of the Orion that I described earlier, um, just glancing up with a small smirk on his face. Um, as he sees y'all coming down, he says, 
You took the slow elevator? What the hell were you thinking? And the Frankie just says, the other one doesn't have enough room for, I mean, look at the size of them. And he points at you, Captain. Um, and he just goes, oh, I see. As the elevator comes sliding down to a stop and goes, I quite enjoyed the ride. I learned a lot. Oh, really? And he glances down at Sprack and says, And the Orion just nods and says, all right, follow me. You all move over to what looks like, for the lack of a better way of describing it, it looks like a hover car of some kind, um, pointed at what looks like a big cavernous, uh, almost like a, like, a, like a tunnel that seems to have a flight plan of its own, also with these like flickering lights that kind of guide vehicles into the darkness. Um, this thing is about the size of what we would call a modern-day SUV. It does hover off the ground. It does not look very aerodynamic. It looks like a junk shuttle. <laughs> and um, as you all move into it, he pulls this, uh, the door down to the side and pulls it closed. And you can hear the pressure valve just as it seals. And there's a lurch as this vehicle just goes and hovers. And, and you see lights passing by as he glances out the window and he looks over at Sprack and says run a scan and Sprack says already doing it pulls open his data pad and says uh doesn't look like we're being followed good the Orion slides into a seat and swivels facing all of you. Think of this like a sort of a weird Disney ride where there's two rows of chairs on opposite sides of this transport. And he's in this center chair and he has turned and swiveled and looked back at all of you. And he says, the name's Taraz. I go by a few names. The Federation knows a few of them pretty well by now. So let's make a fresh start and just call me Taraz. Absolutely. Show me an Orion who's had the same name since birth, and I'll show you an Orion who forged their birth certificate. Taras. And you've met Sprack. Very much so. Sprack just salutes. <laughs> he says, all right, Captain. We've got some time. Let's go ahead and chat. What brings you here? I should think that that would be reason enough in itself. The famed Yukvar system, finally here. So sorry to, you know, bring my whole Federation ship into your very nice smuggler's den. You're doing me a favor as far as I'm concerned. What I'm interested in knowing is, why are you here? Don't sell me on the whole, oh, well, we just finally found the location of the great pirate haven. You'd have come with the cavalry if that was the point. And don't get me wrong, you got a fine ship. But I doubt the Federation would send just one. So... Depends on how confident they felt about the intel. That doesn't speak well of your intel, then. It got me here, didn't it? Got you here. Where it takes you after that. That's what I'm interested in. I'm this sure is... you are. Go ahead. No. Please. He just runs his hand over his bald head for a moment and says, 
I've missed this dance. I haven't had civil <laughs> manipulative discourse in so long, jockeying for position. And I knew when it was you, I knew this was going to happen. And I'm not saying this, Captain, to sort of mock. I'm really not. I, I honestly miss this. I honestly missed it been a while since I've spoken to people who can actually formulate intelligent sentences. Far isn't up to your standards? No. No, it's not. Could be, though. So let's talk. You know why I'm famed in yeah. the syndicate? I'm a big fan of your work. That puts you in small number in that organization. Not as small as you think. The fall of the Syndicate opened a lot of new opportunities for people who didn't like the Syndicate too much. And you know how crime works. Sometimes all you need is an excuse and an opportunity to break out of it. You gave a lot of people some good excuses to make nice with their rage towards their former employers. And as a result, the organization has spent the last six years eating itself. So I'm glad that a couple people have happened to benefit from that. I can't imagine there was any other way I would contact you. At Yukvar, you'll forgive me saying. You don't really know what's going on here, do you? You don't realize. Captain, the Syndicate stopped eating itself alive a long time ago. It's consolidating right now. We're on the verge of a new Syndicate. And it's happening here, right now. And there's a lot of us who don't want to see that happen. Hence the Civil War. Hence the Civil War. This whole planet is about to pop. And the alliances are being drawn between two people. Canol and me. Canol, that's one I haven't heard. Also, new to higher organization like yourself? Canol used to be a lieutenant for one of the crime bosses of the syndicate. I don't know which one, but he is absolutely terrifying and has done an excellent job at consolidating his power. And he's made his home here. The only problem is, is there's a lot of people like myself who don't mind dodging the law. I mind, Sprack raises his hand and the Orion throws his hand up and Traz looks over at him and says, Captain, by the way, you were speaking to probably the only scrupulous Ferengi in the galaxy. I'm... And Sprack just says, fat lot of good to dodge me. Uh, it could be worse. Crime doesn't pay. It will, once I get rid of Knoll. Mm. Or... I find even the slightest hint of piracy anywhere 
throughout here or any other open waters crimes, and I can bring you and the rest of them in. We should be clear about that from the very start. There's piracy all over this planet. My people, we're smugglers. Not interested in taking what people already have. I'm interested in taking things that people shouldn't have and getting it to them. You're aware smuggling is also a crime? Yeah. Yeah. I caught wind of that. Glad you're informed. Best not let me catch you. <laughs> I have missed this. Man, I have missed this. I'm so happy to be your nostalgia. Now, explain to me why not Canal capable, long history of service in the organization. What's your objection? He's a slaver. I don't like slavers, Captain. I don't like him at all. And he doesn't discriminate. He'll enslave every single damn person on this planet if he can, if it's going to turn him a profit. Just like the Syndicate did in its own way, as you probably well know. Slavery doesn't all have to be chains, you know. I'm not going to start this relationship off on a bad foot captain so i'm just going to be honest with you my objective is to absolutely kill this man right because confessing intent to murder is going to help this relationship i want you to know who you're getting into bed with because if you needed oh, something on this planet you wouldn't be talking to me unless you could get it yourself and canola isn't going to help you. Who says I can't get it myself? He reaches over and presses a button and the car goes <laughs> and it comes to a stop and says, shall we conclude then? If you're ready for the end of that. I thought you were enjoying it. I'm looking Something for- Something about jockeying for position? Yeah, I'm looking for opportunities. You're an opportunity. But if this is a waste of time, we can stop here. I have oh. something you need, yes? Maybe. <laughs> All right, then. He presses the button. It's a frustrating moment, Azri. It's almost like he heard you say yes when you said maybe. And he presses the button and he just goes, <laughs> and he says, now then. As the car begins to move forward again, um, you see the ETA is about one minute till destination. And he says, if Canole finds out you're here, and he finds out you're here without a security detail, and he glances at the rest of you, and he's like, he might start getting kind of desperate to intercept you, especially if he finds out you and I are talking. Oh, that would be a very bad idea for him. I have a feeling that would be a very bad idea for all of us. And I certainly don't want to see it happen, so. Oh, it's certainly not my preference. It's not like I want to end up in a firefight with a slaver, but I'm certainly not worried about my team, and I'm certainly not worried about the number of pieces Starfleet would leave him in if he tried. 
It's funny, I didn't see any ridges on your forehead, Captain, and yet... Mm. Maybe one shouldn't make assumptions, I suppose. Not a changeling, are you? He says in jest, completely oblivious. <laughs> it's this sort of like side comic kind of like... Is he though? I'd Is like to make a roll. I would also sure, go ahead. Make, a make a roll staring him down. I'd be happy to assist if I may. Sure, absolutely. I'm just gonna test them right here. Shoot, it's gonna <laughs> Yeah. Hold still. Yeah. All right. So the difficulty of this roll is a two. So whoever wants to take point is gonna be rolling um your pretty much your standard insight command. And Captain Sol, I'm gonna say it's presence command for you for the assist. Copy that. Yeah. What do we get? Um, would I be able to use my uh, body language uh, focus? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, three successes from my end. Okay. That's pop one uh, momentum, two momentum then. Um, no, he was, he was, he apparently was cracking a very ill-timed joke. He doesn't actually seem, <laughs> he thinks he's being funny right now. Read the room. <laughs> he actually does have a bit of a reaction when he kind of smirks <laughs> and notices that everyone is dead, like straight face looking at him. And he just says, okay. <laughs> at that point, the car just goes, it comes to a stop. Sprack moves over to the door and opens it up. And Taraz says, this way, he steps out. You step onto a platform. Um, you realize this platform is about 60 feet above the floor where it is more like cavernous. And you can see those lights trailing off to guide, um, to guide a bunch of vehicles. And with that, he leads you into a series of caves. You are basically being led into what would be considered his hideout. hideout. Uh, we just hit 3K. Just so Whoa! everybody knows. <laughs> we just hit 3K. <laughs> I feel the need to point out that we are now, I believe, uh, 1K away from 10,000 total over the last week through the various um, fundraisers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That sounds like a good goal to hit. Yeah. Uh, were we in a shuttle before? Were he, we, we were in his shuttle? You were in a, a vehicle. So like a, a monorail kind of baby. Yeah, sort of like a it was a hovercraft. It wasn't on a, it wasn't on track, but yes, it was going down like this long tunnel. I don't know. It just had monorail energy. I don't is know. it exposed or um, covered? Uh, was it exposed? Covered. It's covered. it's in a large tunnel. That's actually it's sort of like an underground highway. Think of it like that. Okay. Um, when we get out, mm -hmm. um, basically anytime we're in open space, before I exit the space. I change my uniform into a security detail in case there's anyone watching. Um, okay. And then, but when I get back into rooms, I change it back. It's literally just for the illusion of security if anyone is spying. Okay. One security, low uh, level. Sprack watches this and just goes, what the hell? As he sees you do this. Um, 
And right behind Sprax steps Taraz. As he steps out of the transport, he looks you over and just XEO and just goes, huh. <laughs> and says nothing else as he steps out. As everyone exits the vehicle, he just says, this way. Um, and immediately, Exio, you become aware of the presence of what looks like very well-hidden guards. Uh, maybe guards, but from the looks of it, sharpshooters. You can see you can see what looks like these long, probably energy-styled weapons, judging by the power cartridge that they have glittering on the side of these barrels that they're holding. They are in stealthy, kind of like well-positioned areas where they have good cover and can see the platform. And there's a split second where you're analyzing this as a threat when you see Taraz just kind of wave at them and they signal back at him as he's moving into the area. Um, a few minutes Even later- so, allies talk. Yeah. Um, a, a few moments later, you're led down a few series of corridors. You guys get a lot of looks, both at Taraz and at the rest of you as y'all are moving into the areas. Uh, a couple of Orions, um, you see a couple of Orions. So you can see the telltale signs of former Orion slaves walking past you. You can see some of the branding marks, some of the tattoos. Um, they are, uh, there's a few women that you can see that are presenting as women, but they're also dressed in full, like armored up. They have disruptor pistols at their side and they're watching you all as you walk past. They are scrutinizing, but not looking threatening, but they do look at you, Captain Saul. Everyone's glancing at you as you pass by. Um, you enter into what looks like this main area. And um, as you enter into a, the main room, you see what looks like this very crude long table with a bunch of data readouts. You see a couple of staff in here, what looks like people that are like having hushed conversations. This is very darkly lit. It's almost like a Klingon ship where there's a lot of shadows being cast all over the room. But it's still, even with the shadows being cast over the room, you cannot miss the size of the Gorn at the opposite end of the room, who is sitting at the head of the table like some kind of carved statue of a mountain king. This Gorn is a full head taller than the one you had in your brig. He is, yes, Jody, massive. Um, he looks like a genetic anomaly. He is so large. Um, it's pushing the limits of the chair that he's in. And as you move closer because of the shadows, you realize that the other part of the bulk to his body actually isn't his body at all. It looks like what could be charitably described as a minigun that's leaning up against the side of this chair. Um, and this Gorn gets up. You can see the glint coming off of the optics that he has over his reptilian eyes as he rises to his full height of eight and a half feet towering over everybody in this room um and he offers up his this huge bony elbow which traz walks over and like he's high-fiving a you know a basketball player over his head just kind of elbows the elbow and turns back to you and says captain this is guz he is should i call you my enforcer do you mind being called my enforcer and this gorn's head just looks down and says, what do I enforce? And Taraz just says, I don't know, sitting. He enforces sitting, Captain. Would you like to sit? 
I'm not a sitting enforcer. He doesn't have a sense of humor either, Captain. Which is not a bad thing. If you've ever heard a Gorn laugh, it's absolutely terrifying. There's a grip on your arm for a second, Captain, and you feel the Ferengi looking up at you and says, Captain, it's terrifying. He's not joking about that. Sounds like we'll get along. This Gorn's head pivots. It's like looking at a bipedal dinosaur. As it angles down and looks at you, Lacat, there's a long beat of silence where you can't read what's going on, and Guz just goes, Hi. Hi. He's friendly, though. Hey, Guz, why don't you wait for us outside? Could you do that for me? Okay. You hear the scraping sound as this Gorn lifts this minigun up off the ground. Just shh. Every bone in your body, Captain, that's an illegal weapon for sure. That's an assault weapon that should not be in the hand of a civilian. You see him just lift it up, huffs it up onto his shoulder, and starts thudding his way out of the room. A bunch of the other people move. You see Tazris just kind of motions to them. Everybody but Sprack leaves the room. And the door if shut. I were in Federation <laughs> space, I could book him on that gun alone. <laughs> yeah. And he slides into the chair and says, I can have some refreshments brought, but I should warn you, our replicators are awful. Now. <clears throat> Before, as this meeting takes, as this meeting is about to start, and it, the nitty gritty is about to happen, yeah. I would like to position myself by the door Okay. and start calculating based on the amount of people that we have walked by and has seen us calculate the statistical likelihood of the timeline until he uh kunal hears based on how many people they will all talk someone will tell uh, someone who will tell someone yeah, the, 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 the statistical probable timeline of the amount of time this meeting is allowed to happen okay because he will hear Let's do that. It's a matter of, of time until someone leaks it that we are here and then he comes uh, based on loyalty and size of network that Taraz has. Yes. Make a make a reason science check, Exio. And I'm going to set the difficulty at one. Um, okay. May I buy one die since we have some up? And just so you know what I'm planning on doing with this roll, I'm setting the difficulty at one. And I'll give you a very general answer if you succeed. And you can do information spins to narrow that down. Okay. Yeah. Uh, may I use body language based on who I assume might be most likely to talk? If you were a normal organic, I might say that's a tall order. The answer is yes. <laughs> Thank you. No, I give the tall orders, Eric. Oh, right. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. Five. <laughs> Sometimes she even impresses herself. Double crit. <laughs> Double crits. Two warp cores. Um, all right. Um, so bank four momentum. You probably you put this somewhere within in the in somewhere within the next four hours. It's, Longer than I thought. Okay. Well, that's a very general a very general uh, supposition to make based off of what you're seeing. We have at least one floating momentum for the obtain uh, that'll go away if we don't use it anyway. So that's all you. Okay. Um, then based on that, 
Could I have discerned um, which of the crew members that I have um, ascertained um, looked the least loyal so as to possibly be able to use that information as a sort of like courtesy chip over to Taraz as like, by the way, that one's talking. <laughs> it's like difficult. that one talks, you know, kind of thing. On this, on this, on this subject, I might say that that's not a possibility, only because the the what you were reading is shock and awe of seeing Azari Soul walk through the corridors. Um, okay, sure. You sure. were mostly getting that kind of a reaction. Okay, it, well then, since then I can't at least do that, it probably won't be uh, the former slaves, uh, due to what we know contextually about Kanal and Taras. Okay, well then. Then instead of that, since we can't answer that, since I'm getting based on that as the reaction that I could um, sort of dissect, mm -hmm. um, did anyone sh have a tiny spark or slip up of hostility towards Azari? Did Ooh, anyone resent good. that? That's a good one. Um, I would say that's an inf uh, obtained information spend. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I want oh, my step to be. Um, because the okay. other one I couldn't. Um, from a couple, um, but you're not sure it's difficult to determine, Exio, if that was because they identified who Azri was or they saw an Orion wearing a Starfleet uniform. It's difficult to determine why there was hostility, but you did get some, yes, absolutely. Okay, cool, cool, cool. E either way, hostility towards Captain is noteworthy. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, okay, so everyone's at this table. Um, Taraz kicks his feet up onto the table and says, all right, let's do business. Um. Yeah. What do you want, and what do you what uh, do I get out of it? Let's start, Captain. Uh, before, before we, yeah. oh, before we be begin um, this meeting, perhaps it would be wise to administer a small medical test to our two friends here. Would you be willing? A medical test? Very, very small. Just to make sure you're trustworthy. That's fair. I'd like to know what the nature of the medical test is. It is directly related to my business here, I assure you. He reaches and he presses a button that was under the table and the door open and Guz leans back in like he was standing outside the door the whole time. And Taraz just goes like this. And Guz steps back into the room and he nods to Guz and this Gorn reacts a little bit, cranes his head back, and you hear this the powering up of this minigun as he lifts it up onto his shoulder. And with that, Taraz looks back at you, Doctor, and says, all right, take, do your test. Uh, I'm just going to look up at Guz and respect and nod. And um, When you nod, Guz just goes, Arr. Hello. You don't have to be that friendly it's nice he's he's very nice i think he's nice could you shut up do your test uh very quickly i'm just gonna to him and to sprack okay he seems to wait like he's waiting to see if he's gonna black out or something like you've injected him um immediately registers orion male um although you are detecting some anomalies in his genetics code um you get that to Sprack as well. Sprack is registering as a Ferengi male. 
Captain, it is safe to speak freely. Thank you, Doctor. Uh, he motions for Guz to step out of the room again. And Guz goes, <clears throat> powers this thing down as you <clears throat> steps out. <clears throat> doors close. Uh, this might be a momentum spend, but since we have, uh, I've used them in my line of work previously, mm -hmm. uh, the surveillance device, this seems like the right time uh, uh, to what? use that before. Uh, you know the counter surveillance uh, bubble? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd oh, I see. Just... You want to pop a momentum to say you brought one of them puppies with you? Right. Sure. Okay. Yes, absolutely. You can absolutely do that, yeah. It seems like the thing to do. All right, you just ding. He watches you pull this device out. Doesn't tense. Sprack goes, um, and then you activate it, and he just says, interesting. Is this on the books? It's not, is it? Do you care one way or the other? Yeah, oh yeah. No, no, you're, you're giving me a lot of information that I can use right now. Oh. Good. Value given for value received, after all. I hope so. What do you want, and what do I get out of it? You know what I used to do. I know what I they have say. unfinished business of exactly that kind, and intelligence leads me to believe that that target is here. What target? Canal? I was always after. The syndicate? The changeling. Are you telling me there's a changeling on this planet? That's what the lead tells me. Really? Okay. That was not what I was expecting you to say. Really? You thought I was only here for your irredeemable scoundrel nature and your charming smile? One can hope. Mm, keep hoping. We'll do that. Yes. Somewhere in uh, you can I it seems we have an infiltrator or maybe Canal does maybe Canal. can you tell me why a changeling would be here the Orion syndicate it's not going to benefit the dominion anymore if it's the one whom I was looking for they may well have drunk the proverbial Kool-Aid for all I know, they might so, have any number of motivations. Okay, I understand now. And so you've tracked this changeling to here. You want to do what? Kill it? No. That would be a violation of our treaty. I'm Starfleet. Remember that, Taras. So you're here to capture a changeling and you need some help locating it. 
You not only know this place better than we, but hopefully you could find what doesn't quite fit pattern. And you intend on capturing it? Exfiltrating, yes. And then what? Where does it go from there? Again, per the Treaty of Bajor, home. So you're here to take a changeling back home. That is charming. Oh, and and thank you. You're not here to throw it in prison. There is one changeling in prison for war crimes, and that was the agreement. Huh. We keep shitty agreements. All right. I can't promise anything yet. But it is possible that I may know something about this changeling. But I need to confirm it first. I've had some... There have been stories over the years circulating through the underground. And if it's true that there's a changeling here, you looking for it might actually be the answer to everything that we've been suspecting this whole time. There's been a third player during this whole power play that's been going on. And it's been very difficult to pinpoint who it is. They know things that they shouldn't know. They disrupt things that no one else should be knowing that is happening. Both Knoll and I have gone through our fair share of lieutenants looking for the mole. If there's a changeling mucking about trying to sabotage all of us, that could explain it. it does bring up the question as to why we'd be played against each other. But let me see what I can find out for you. You have just under four hours. Less the more you interact with everyone. Just for timeline's sake. You're out of here in four hours? No. You have exactly four hours at this particular moment until Kunal knows that you've had a meeting with the captain. And how do you know that? Basic math. Basic math? Based on the amount of people we have currently interacted with and the chain of events of gossip. You calculated the probability that someone's going to slip it to, M- to Kunal and that we have roughly yes. four hours? Yes, but again, Let's less. Now that you're asking her so many questions. And the more people you talk to, that number gets smaller as people's mouths get larger. Did you ever leave intelligence, Captain? He just turns to you suddenly, Captain Saul. I am the captain of the USS Ross. 
whose mission is science and exploration. Of course. I just like doing math for fun. Well, you're scary. Well done. Four hours. I'll use that window to my advantage if I can. So I'm going to give you all a place where you can have some privacy. I wouldn't be charitable enough to call it quarters. As you can tell, things around here aren't quite as fancy as they are in a Federation starship. But um, give me oh, some time. Oh, any time you visit a Federation starship, do tell me. The brig is lovely this time of year. Don't overplay your hand, Captain. You've already got me in the hole. Noted. He rises from the table. Give me one hour. Um. Presses a button under the table. As the doors open, Guz steps back in. Sprack stands up and says, let me guess, I'm taking people to the room. And he says, yeah, stay with them. Make sure that nobody else talks to them. She's right about the four hours. It's going to get a lot quicker if more people see her interact. So nobody else comes and goes in the room, unless, of course, they want to come and go. But then you do so at your own risk. Canol is the most murderous, vicious son of a bitch of a Frisian I've ever encountered. So be aware of that. Um, before we're escorted out, I'm just going to walk up to Guz really quick and be like, do you mind with the test and hold it up to him? This claw reaches down to take it from your hand, and he just kind of starts to pull it away from you. Oh, n- no, no, not. Do you mind if I quickly test your arm? Looks over at Taraz and says, Let her try. I just want to. <laughs> Nothing happens. Oh, yes. <laughs> The Gorn. <laughs> Literally, the hypospray is having difficulty penetrating the upper layer of his thick hide as you. Um, it takes a few. You get a partial sample um, as he looks down at his hand, and you get a DNA sample coming back that he's Gorn. Thank you very much. <laughs> Next time, I'll just assume because I cannot penetrate your skin that that is good enough for me. Parisian says that to uh, <laughs> says that to Taraz, and Taraz goes, "No, no, 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 Cation, she's fine." Go. Thank you, girls. Sprack says, "See, very polite. This way." We're walking this way now. <laughs> and with that, we are going to pause and go on our break because it's 8.08. So we're going to take a 10-minute break. Um, just as a quick check-in, uh, before we go on our break, Jake, are you there? I would love to find out where we are at. We're um, at 3,169 cents. Hey. Three thousand cents? My God! <laughs> Y'all are amazing. Um, thank you so much. Uh, I I cannot. There's really there's really not 
words aren't going to do us justice here. Why don't we just take a break and we're going to go and process all that. The generosity is incredible. Thank you, Ox Crew. We'll be back in 10 minutes to keep raising money and telling some good Star Trek stories. We'll see you then. Don't go anywhere. $3,669.69 is our new goal, apparently. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to Clear Skies. And since we are engaged in this sort of tomfoolery, I also want to uh, take this moment, since we've just exited a very, a very stupid, sexy scene, and wish everyone a happy mother effing pride. I hope um, for, for, for all the madness that is going on in the world, happy pride. Um, so. Pride was a riot. Three teaspoons baking soda to one cup water. Happy pride. <laughs> All right. Um, it's funny because on, on my screen, of course, because we're using Google Hangouts, um, I see a column of all my players, and it's really fun watching their expression. But the funniest thing is, is that the room Rave is in, Rave, you have a picture frame just behind you. And the way it looks like on my screen is that picture frame is actually the lower half of Gina's body. <laughs> it's like. This <laughs> was. <laughs> Her. It's beautiful, but like it, it meshes so perfectly into the frame. It's got the exact same width of arms and everything. And so it looks like Gina's body just turns into like the lower half of a picture frame. And she's just sitting very peacefully and happily. Like, anyway, um, so Gina pictures, like a, a, like a partial Gina frame merch possibility. I don't know. Um, but we'll, we'll explore. I'll take <laughs> two. <laughs> I'll take two. Um, so thank you so much for those incredible donations. Uh, it's going to make a big difference. You're gonna be helping people who are out there trying to make their voices heard. I, I think we've all seen a lot of the footage, many of them being unjustly just apprehended out of the nowhere and, and your contributions are going to help those people tremendously. So thank you for contributing to the justice of a lot of these people that are, that are standing out and standing for uh, Black Lives Matter. We appreciate it. Um, thank you so much. Um, let's go ahead and jump back into tonight's episode of Clear Skies, y'all. Um, when we last left off, y'all had just uh, finished off some negotiations with an Orion um, who uh, likes to waggle his eyebrows every time he says something, um, apparently. Uh, at least he does with his voice. It's in his voice. <laughs> um, negotiations uh, yes, those vocal eyebrow wiggles. His vocal eye, yeah. <laughs> vocal, I mean, we didn't hear them. Yeah, that's what I majored in college in vocal eyebrow waggling. Let's see, bioactric master, that one worked. Yeah. Um, while this is all taking place, we have an hour to kill, so I'd like to take the scene back up to the USS Ross, which is at station keeping in orbit right now. Um, it's been frustratingly quiet on the bridge of the USS Ross, and Prawl has been sitting in the captain's chair, overlooking data pads, duty assignments, um, sitting next to him in the, ca uh, at the, in the commander's chair, actually, is Yeoman Azmishanto, who is checking in on Prawl. If he needs anything, if he needs like a data pad with tomorrow's duty assignments, like basically is, is being there for him as she would be for the captain. Um, where are you right now, Olin? Are you on the bridge at the moment? Um, I think that in the interest of being uh, immediately available to the bridge in the event that something happens, I've moved to the conference room in order to contact um, my parents because that can be a secure location to contact them while also being 
Okay. Spy in case something goes down. And so, I need- to to give you a heads up, mm-hmm. because of the sheer distance between you and your parents, the message will not be a real time conversation through subspace relay. It will be a, a sort of like e- a visual email. So it's leave a message, they send you a message back, and it'll take a few hours for the message to uh, transmit across subspace. Okay. That's not that ideal, but it's unfortunately the best we can do, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, do we? Do I know of anything closer, possibly more immediately available to me? Do I have any contacts that uh, I would know of in this area? Hmm. So I can answer that. Tell me specifically what you're planning on doing. Um, I just want to shake the tree a little bit and see if there's been any rumors floating around uh, uh, in the diplomatic channels. In Starfleet? Not Starfleet. Like, specifically, like, I mean, the Federation Diplomatic Corps, obviously. Um, And uh, maybe even outside of that, if necessary. Because you... You have one high-ranking contact that is actually within range of a subspace call, um, but it's back at Narendra Station. Um, oh, is it my Klingon friend, the ambassador? Ambassador Jaw, yes. Ambassador Jaw is a high-ranking member I of think... the House of Martok, and oh, and he would be very invested in this sort of thing if he'd heard anything. Yeah, I think I'll give him a ring. Why not? Okay. But I, I will also send a message off to my parents as well. Okay. I, might as well. They right. know everyone, and so it makes sense to... Uh... Okay. You enter your codes, gain access to the Starfleet diplomatic channels, and immediately send out a message to the Klingon embassy on Narendra Station. In a way, Ambassador, it's kind of... You are, you do feel a tinge of homesickness, ironically, sending a message to Narendra, being that Narendra Station is where you should you all should be right now. Um, you all should be back in the Shackleton Expanse. You should be exploring and making new contacts and charting these incredible spaceways that you've just discovered. Um, this extraordinary scientific discovery being pulled away. Um, Getting lost in that thought is interrupted after you see the emblem of the Klingon Empire, the Sword of Kalos, appear on your screen. A blood red uh, background with the black Klingon symbol just popping up on your screen, indicating that you've made connection and that you're about to be connected to the ambassador. And a few moments pass when the, you hear the chirping sound as the, the screen switches over to the quarters of the ambassador. And you see that large Klingon, this big fur tunic on his body um looks like he's pouring something from the sound of it you hear a clanking of uh, cutlery and he's looking at the screen going ambassador sets it down and says where the hell have you been a bit of all over the place i'm sure you've heard at least a little bit of what we've been up to i've heard that you've been exploring strange new worlds <laughs> but uh haven't seen you around the station in a while they haven't recalled you, have they? You're the only one on this damn station that knows how to have a good conversation. And I look forward to having another one with you very, very soon in person. Mm. Unfortunately, we did kind of get recalled for something. I was wondering 
Have you heard any strange rumblings lately? Something that doesn't seem to be quite right uh, from anyone in your government or from any other diplomat recently? Stand by. And it cuts off. <laughs> okay, then. You kind of sit quietly at the table. <laughs> you hear a chirping noise overhead, and you hear Prawl's voice go, this is Lieutenant Commander Prawl to Ambassador Olin Marginil. Go for Marginil. How can I help you, Prawl? Ambassador, we're receiving a secured subspace message from Narendra Station requesting you specifically. I can transfer it to the captain's ready room as it's the only place that has security clearance. I'm sure that Captain Sol won't mind. Yes, please, I will take it uh, in their ready room. I won't tell them if you want. Well, I'm All sure out. they <laughs> And I leave the conference room and I wind my way through the bridge and I just kind of give Prawl a nod as I enter okay. in the ready room. Paul gives you a nod. Um, stepping into the captain's ready room, um, you see their desk, but they're basically their tablet, computer, tabletop thing is basically facing the chair. It's an easy swivel it around, and you see transmission standing by with the Klingon logo on it. Basically, once again, the sort of Kalis, and it says awaiting transmission confirmation. You just press the button. Um, the chirping sound again, and you see the ambassador is not in his chamber. You see a different background on him now. Now it just looks rather plain. And he says, there. All right. Better, much better. I do apologize for the abruptness of my question. I probably should have attempted to do this on more secure lines. Ambassador Majunil, you are speaking to a member of House Martok. I am Klingon. I appreciate it when you speak abruptly. <laughs> Noted. So, you want information, and from the sound of it, it is information that sounds sensitive. You're asking me and not the diplomatic core of your own government. So, what is it you really want to know, and let me see what I can do. I trust that you and I have begun building a relationship of trust between mm, I understand. What is it you need from me for assurances that I am not going to broadcast this across subspace? The House of Martok specifically has much to gain from knowing about this particular mission and its finer details. But if this were to become a large-scale broadcasted event it could mean disaster for both your house and my career so let's uh do our best to keep things discreet if that's at all possible so as your storyteller i need to make you the player aware mm -hmm. that by divulging any information of this mission to this klingon ambassador you will be committing treason um, I will tread very carefully. I just want to. I just want to make that now. You would be giving classified information to a foreign government. 
So I just want to make you, Olin, aware so that you can make an informed decision. I'm not saying don't do it. There's a part of me that really wants to see this happen, but I just want to make you aware. Mm -hmm. um, so he hears, he hears your statement and he nods and says, very well. I have to be very careful about what I tell you. I think I understand. I am sure that in your long and storied career, you have received orders that didn't quite seem on the level, and you were forced to dig through channels you might otherwise avoid digging through to get that <laughs> correct information. Are you aware of how Chancellor Gauron died, Ambassador? He was trying to send the head of my house into suicide missions because Martok had become too popular with the military, too popular. He was winning battle after battle, and Gauron tried to send him to his death to remove a political opponent. I am a member of the Klingon Empire's high-ranking command structure. I guarantee you it is in our very nature to kill our opponents by giving them orders that don't make a lot of sense. We are in something of a similar situation here, and I unfortunately can't get into too much more detail than that. Very well. I am mostly curious to know if there have been any strange rumors or ripplings through various governments in, uh, in Starfleet, because if there hasn't been that might mean that the kind of coordination that would normally be done for such a mission has not been done, and that means we're dealing with a situation that's quite a bit more uh, tawdry, lurid, illicit. I don't know. I'm uh, not following any of this. He just shakes his head slowly. <laughs> we might be doing something that puts the entire galaxy in great peril, and if the diplomats of the Federation Diplomatic Corps and your government don't know about it, that's a big deal. I the need entire to... galaxy in peril? What are you, making friends with the Borg? Oh, if we were making friends with the Borg, I wouldn't hesitate to commit treason and let you know. This sounds a little fantastic to me, Ambassador. I apologize that I can't make it seem a little less so. The situation that we're in is pretty fantastic. Well... I admit, I am not an expert in spycraft or <laughs> any of that stuff. I'm a diplomat. I just you... want to know if if people are talking. So, you want to know if people are talking. You can't tell me what this is about, obviously, because you would be violating some standing order, I take it, and... But some people are not nearly as self-contained as I try to be. Loose lips sink ships, and if somebody's lips are flapping, I want to know about it. 
Why don't you point me in the direction you want me to start asking questions? And I'll see if anything strange has been going on. Feel like a good place to start would perhaps be our Romulan friends. He just starts like you hear this like irritation in his voice and says, "You need to go talk to our Romulan friends." You know they have their fingers in every pie they can get into. They have one of the most well-equipped intelligence rings in the entire quadrant, and their diplomats are as cunning as they are. Well, annoying. My problem with this suggestion, Mm. Ambassador, with all due respect. Of course. Pugino is too nice, even for a Romulan. I do not trust him (laughs) at all. He's too too altruistic, which, to be blunt, is very un-Romulan. Yes. He's putting up a mighty front, and I don't trust any Romulan that has gained the confidence of the Remans, particularly after the Shinzon incident. I don't think he's to be trusted, and I would need more of a reason to speak to him. Can you give me anything that I can use? Walking across the aisle, as they say, to speak to the Romulan ambassador about rumblings, as you might put it, could cost me face. It would have to be worth it. What can I use to speak to him? Him giving you any such information would put you in a position of indebtedness to him, which I know you do not like the idea of at all. Mm, I would not be indebted to him. I would make it clear that you would be indebted to him. And I have a feeling you would not like that at all. Actually, I might not mind it. You see Quirk, that big, thick, like, pyramidic eyebrow, and he leans in and says, go on. The Romulans have their uses just like anyone else does. And uh, if I owe him a favor, that means eventually he'll owe me one. That's not logic I follow, but then I don't actually think of it in terms like that, being that I refuse to have anything to do with the son of a bitch. (laughs) I just think that there's uh, something to be said for setting yourself up for uh, a trade-off at some point. And I can understand why that doesn't make much sense to you, but I'm I'm, um, someone who doesn't mind every now and again a decent How about this? Why don't I get all three of us talking? Mm -hmm. I I can contact you later. Okay. I'm fine with that. uh, I'm actually rather curious to see and talk to him since it's been a while. Um, But also, I I haven't heard much from you at all about how things have been going on the station, and even though it's... Boring. (laughs) Absolutely boring. Well, that is actually pleasantly good to hear. I would hate to hear that it's been lively because lively for a Klingon means somebody is dead. 
I want to hear you say this, just so I understand you, Ambassador. Is Admiral April Eber not to know about this meeting? Do not I answer. I, I think I will take that as your answer. In that case, consider this a meeting that I am initiating, and I will take responsibility. That way, you owe me too. Hmm? You are certainly someone I do not mind owing a favor to. Hmm! That's probably true. I have nothing in mind except perhaps a bottle of canard. Don't tell anyone else. I think I can accommodate you on that very Good. easily. I will contact you again soon. Thank you so much, Ambassador. Um, <laughs> or you're just gone now. <laughs> I reach down and I scratch patients behind the ears. I'm not very good at this, but you know what? We're going to figure it out, girl. What are you doing, uh, Tech? Yeah, what? there are a couple of options, huh? So, Tech, uh, as the, the mission has been going on, obviously, like, he didn't want to be on this away mission, nor did he volunteer. <laughs> right. But he's going to try to help out the best that he can, so... Um, I think he's still sort of hunkered up in his lab, um, but now uh, he's been using the ship's computers to sort of scan the uh, ship traffic that has been coming in and out of, of this port. Okay. Uh, he is monitoring for, you know, any sort of database matches that would happen for known criminals or it's something. Surveilling. That yeah. I'm surveilling. But also, I'm, t I'm, I'm collecting all that information because it's going to be valuable at some point or another when we got to skedaddle. Um, <laughs> so, at, um, at one point, as you're, as you're looking over some of the sensor logs, which you have access to, there's two things that happen. First of all, you notice that, ad that Commander Prawl is already doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And you're actually... After a few moments, you realize you're not having to scan at all. You're just doubling down on reading his data. Commander yeah. Prawl is pinging everything. If an asteroid, if a, if a pebble impacts on an asteroid 24,000 kilometers away, he runs a full spectrum scan to make sure that that's <laughs> what it was. And he has, you have also seen in the sensors log tech, he has on occasion basically pulled a crazy Ivan where he has flipped the ship around and brought forth the full sensor suite to bear to look behind the Ross. Um, he has been reversing orbit, changing the Ross's position, and he's been doing it very subtly. Thanks to the help of Vren, this ship, Ross, has changed its orbit multiple times. Um, and it's actually, from what you can tell looking at the data tech, it's actually causing a little bit of chaos in the shipping lanes because everyone seems to be trying to avoid the Ross and she keeps moving. Mm -hmm. um, if, it's amazing though, because if you were to look at it, it was as if it were a three-way dance because tech's paranoia is melding so well with what is happening. Um, so when, when it's discovered that this is already happening, great. 
uh, everybody deserves a raise or whatever promotion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and so now that I'm collect, we're collecting this data, I can focus it more on the an analysis of it. Um, specifically, <clears throat> tech is obsessed with checking for dominion association, anything that might lead back to sure. a changeling type of thing. There is a notification flashing in the upper right corner of your data pad. That's a notification, I knew it. It's coming through your personal, it's coming through your personal communications. Ah. Your inbox, as it were. Sure. I'll, uh, I'm I'm unhealthily, I just have so many screens up in the holodeck. Uh, okay. And just another one, I sort of swipe everything away and, and bring this up. Okay. However you choose to react to this is up to you. <laughs> but Dr. Lacat. I'm sorry, Dr. McCrell. <laughs> Dr. McCrell has forwarded you a, a meeting that is taking place on the promenade today. And for a second, you're not sure what the nature of this message is. You're like, it's a little bit of confusion. But there is uh, a member of the diplomatic corps who serves in Cetacean Ops named uh, that the crew has taken to calling Bobby D. <laughs> He's a Delphinian diplomat and is holding a, a group counseling session on the promenade deck today. And six people have signed up for it. Specifically, the people that have signed up for it look like they are... Um, tech, you can already see that the, the purpose of this is to give some sort of counseling or like a place for people to go who are having trouble with the proximity of the Dominion War, as it That's was. That's very nice, and yeah. I will definitely take this into consideration when I have time, and I will close it and just move You swipe away. it away, closing it down and immediately. Right back to what I was doing. Okay. <laughs> I am the chief engineer of this ship. It's my job to make sure that while we're on a mission, everything is running smoothly, and right now, this is what I need to be doing. I just mutter to myself. Uh, the computer chirps like it heard you, and it says, please restate your request. Resume analysis. You hear them. Like the computer acknowledges and it starts resuming the analysis. So if you are going to analyze the data that's coming in, let's mm -hmm. go ahead and have you roll. And this, yeah. can, this can contribute to the pool here. So the data that's coming in, this is going to be an insight for you. You're trying to, okay, you're trying to ascertain any Dominion linkage to any of the stuff that's coming through. This is going to be an insight security check. Okay. But you do get to use the Ross. Oh, good. So the Ross is going to be able to contribute to this. So the Ross is going to roll uh, sensors plus computers. Or I'm sorry, sensor science. I'll roll it. I haven't rolled um, a die yet today. Oh, no, this would be computer science. Computer, computer science. science. Yeah. I would also like to burn a determination on this. Okay. Um, go ahead. And what is your what is what value are you calling on? Don't hear, listen. Okay. I'm look. I'm reading between the lines. I'm looking for specific things within the data. Looking for Vecini. <laughs> you All got right. one from Ross. It was almost a crit. Okay, so one success from Ross. Um, the difficulty of this is three. So go ahead and make your roll. Cool. I got uh, three. One of the it, because of a crit, and then the added. Uh, determination adds one too, so mm -hmm. a total of five adding in the Ross. Five. So bank two momentum, everybody. We were 
topped off, we're, I think. Yeah, we're, ma we're maxed oh, out. Oh, oh, then you've got to obtain information, Juju, here that you can actually spin for that. So, um, four, I think. Okay, so you're analyzing the data. You're going through it with a mind that is bordering on jumping at Shadow's tech. Um, you're trying to be mindful of that point, but it's easy at this point to start making connections. Um, as you are tracing through a lot of the sensor data, um, something passes in front of you that actually causes you to stop and like basically claw your way back and look like there was a scan that was conducted 20 minutes ago. Um, and it was during one of the maneuvers where the Ross was turning back to starboard as she was resuming her orbit. Um, and for a brief second, for a brief moment, you caught what looks like on sensors. It, from this area, it looks like a, it, the computer seems to have analyzed it as, as, um, as sort of like a, a radiation burst which it immediately dismissed because you're in a trinary system. There's a lot of radiation and magnetic interference in this system. Um, but you have the engineer's mind and you are aware that the, in, the, the energy signatures that are coming through, some of the data readings that are popping up, it doesn't match what the computer is assuming it is. The computer seems to be making the assumption, oh, well, this must be what this is because of the anomalous readings and whatnot. But towards the asteroid belt, there is a shadow that was that lasts for a few moments before it blinks out. Does this match the previous shadow that was recorded uh, near the Tellarite incident? Um, you're going to run it. If you spend, do an information spend. Yep, we've got four floating, I think. So that's one of them. Okay. So um, they do scale in cost as it as it goes up. Oh, okay, gotcha. Mm -hmm. So now I believe it's and Sam correct me on this, but I believe it's two now, correct? Because it's one for an info. Oh no, it's two for an information spend, and then it scales after that. Is that correct? Let me open up my reference table. It's it's playing remotely means that I don't get to have a GM screen right in front of me, <laughs> so <laughs> it's a little on the trickier side for that. Um, but I believe create advantage, obtain information, ask the GM a single question. Um, so give me one second while I look this up. Yeah, no worries. GM resources. Oops. Yay, okay. Use for determination. I love my paranoid crew. Thank you so much. <laughs> you do such important work. Obtain information. Not paranoid if you're right. <laughs> Who said that? I feel like someone has said that before. I can't put my finger on it. Momentum from a success allows a character to learn more about a situation. Each point spent can be used to ask the game master a single question about the current situation, an item, object, structure, creature, or character present or relevant to the scene at hand. The game master must then answer truthfully, but does not have to give complete information. Partial or brief answer that leaves the room for further questions is uh, optional. The information provided must be relevant to the task attempted and must be the kind of information that the character using the skill would be able to determine in that situation. A character could use medicine to diagnose an illness or security to identify a form of ranged weapon from the, uh, by the damage it's caused. So, perfectly explains that um, it is repeatable. 
So yes, you can burn, it looks like each point spent. So yes, you can spend just another point of determination to ask another question. So the question is, is this similar to the energy signature that you detected um, during the Jashashian mission? Yes. Specifically because I had analyzed that as well. Yeah, so it is. Matching. It um, is, it matches it. So with this new information, does it confirm or any sort of uh, validation towards Romulan cloaking technology? Um, based off of the limited information you have, it's inconclusive. Okay. Even with the obtained information spend, you just, because uh, so little is known about Romulan cloaking technology mm -hmm. already. And this, this seems like such an unusual energy signature. Um, for my third question, I'd like to ask, because um, all of this check has been about like correlation and analyzing between them. Uh, um, does this seem like a similar reaction that we had discovered with uh, particle fountains and the um, specifically the detection of them? The detection of particle fountains? Through subspace that we uh, gained through the Jachashians. Uh It doesn't seem to... It doesn't okay. seem to have the same... Um... I would say... Hmm, how do I put this? Trying to think of how I would I would I would describe this because as an engineer you're able to make a lot of connections of how this energy is manifesting through the sensors. Um, as far as I understand, it was a radiation burst that it it found, right? It's what the computer thought it was. The radiation. Right. There was an energy surge that caused the particle fountain. Mm -hmm. What you're mm -hmm. detecting right now doesn't feel like a burst. It doesn't. It's not reading as any kind of surge. Um, okay. It's reading as some kind of the computer seems to think it's some kind of magnetic anomaly, which is another reason why it kind of went under the radar, as it were. Why it kind mm -hmm. of got swept under the radar for uh, the sensor sweep. Okay. Uh, I have one more. Okay. Um, any suggestions from anybody that... Yeah, crew, you can you can chip in here. Yeah. Anybody yeah. wants to ask a specific question? So, uh, last time Lacat saw these... Uh, um, like saw basically it's similar to what Prawl had pointed out to look at did mm. her little alarm go off that she had set up last time oh so if this was detected Lacat had previously set up a detector it didn't it didn't it go didn't. off this time and and I can go ahead and give you this the reason why it didn't go off this time the reason why the computer didn't flag it is specifically because of the magnetic interference in this solar system it it really it was like camouflaged within camouflaged and so the computer didn't flag it only text trained eye spotted the anomaly and was able to make a a, a new conclusion got it great mm -hmm. um, um just but with this with this next detection i will tell you this tech that it definitely is starting to you're you're building a strong case that you're being shadowed by a, a cloaked vessel of some kind mm -hmm. um I will, uh, of course, be transferring this information to the paranoia triad, and we'll just be freaking out about it together. Huh? <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. So why don't we do this? While you are 
<laughs> While you are down planet side, um, Lacat will say that this is during the course of uh, this is during the course of like the waiting period. Mm-hmm. And as y'all are kind of quietly, you're 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 quietly waiting. Um, you get an, an you get a call, but you, your communicator. Everyone hears Lacat's communicator go off as you call in to cheat. Uh, are you are you calling specifically straight to Lacat, Chief Tech? Are you reaching oh, out? Reaching out. Oh, I'm sorry. What are you doing? Are you just transmitting I, the data? I, I meant Vren and Prawl. Uh, oh. The three of us are sort of going over this data. Okay, in that case, sorry, I misunderstood. In I that case, misunderstood. I was Prowl. like, it's very Prowl fair. Lacat is in fact paranoid, suspicious by right. nature. One could even say. Well, and Lacat was kind of the head of the project along with you. Yeah. The two of you were basically. Um, so well, then, why do we do this? We're going to cut to the bridge then, with you standing at the system, showing them the information. Um, with them looking at it, I'm going to give one more roll, and I'm going to use Prawl as an assist. Okay. Actually, actually, no. Vryn is going to assist. And it's for for me, it's going to be another insight security? Yes. Okay. Um, and Vryn is going to roll insight. Have a ton of momentum. And command. Not good for him. Um, I rolled a complication. Would you like me to spend a momentum to get rid of that? Sure, yes. We're full up. Okay. Uh, I uh, believe in in the spirit of uh, amity and honesty, it's a two to remove a complication, not one. Uh, so spend two. So that puts us at four momentum now. Mm-hmm. After okay. we hear the result of Xander's roll. What did you? And who was the roll for Ross? Because Ross is analyzing as well. Uh-huh. Okay. And so then what was Ross, the difficulty? What am, I, what am I rolling? So Ross is going to roll. Uh, oops. Ross, Ross is going to roll computers and science at this point. Okay. The difficulty of this is going to be four. Yay. So. Okay, good. So tech got two. Okay. I believe that because I rolled the same number as my science tap, that means I got a crit, right? So that's two from Ross. Two. So four total. And unfortunately, I only rolled one. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. As y'all are sitting here looking at this data, Vryn leans in and he says, wait a minute, you told me you weren't detecting any radiation from this. But look, it's not actually registering as radiation, but it's having the same effect, which means radiation is uh, in the shadow here. It's not registering as because probably the magnetic interference, but this was close enough. If you look here, here, let me bring this up to explain it a little bit better. And he brings up a, a graph where you see this sort of spectrum of energies and radiations that are passing through the um, this system. There's basically like, it's a spectrograph where you're kind of able to see a little bit of the energy signatures that are passing through. Like, think of it like looking at infrared through a telescope and taking pictures that way. And Tech, you're actually surprised. Vryn's instinct as he brings this up, you see this little blip on the uh-huh. screen in this spectrograph, like in this spectral analysis of the sensor sweep. And he said, that right there is a burst of neutron radiation. That is absolutely from a cloaked ship. I guarantee it. Vryn, by the way, just as a quick reminder, um, has, uh, 
he actually has um, the ability to, uh, oops, here it is. Um, he has the talent Starship Expert. Mm. He can actually identify ships just by looking at their silhouettes and know how they, he knows how ships, how fast they go. He's able to ID ships. So he points at the screen and he's like, I guarantee you that's a cloaked vessel. Nerd. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was just about to say, he's like one of those train boys. <laughs> but he I know, turned... right? He had like this thing as a kid where he was like obsessed with all the different ships and he could tell you about all of them at dinner. And yep. like for the first five minutes, it was super cute. And like, honestly, it was cute for the rest, but also, woo. Yeah. yeah that kid. Friend, at that, that point, he turns up to y'all, um, but which by the way, you crushed that role. So gain your momentum for it. <laughs> um, so Vryn turns to you and Prawl and says, I don't think that's a Romulan cloaking device, though, because Romulan cloaking devices, it, they're known to be near perfect. I would be shocked if we ever detected a cloaked Romulan ship. To be fair, these all have been accidental scans that just show up as anomalies. That's true, but historically speaking, without a tachyon energy surge or a grid, it's nigh impossible to detect a cloaked Romulan vessel. There's a I third think- option that they want to be found. You I mean, see Bryn kind of looks creeped out by that suggestion, and he glances over at Prawl, who's nodding slowly and says, that's actually my instinct, Chief. Somebody wants us to know. But we still don't, don't have enough data to determine whether or not this is a Romulan or somebody else with cloaked technology. And I can't think of a reason why the Klingons would be tailing us. Who else has cloaked technology that we know about? And the other thing is, who else? Who else would they be after on this ship? We all agree. Vren, like getting serious, he's like, we all agree that this has got to have something to do with Wellix, right? Like, I know that's a huge leap of logic, but we've already talked about it, so we're all thinking it, right? And Prawl doesn't say anything; he just looks at him, and, and Vren says, "Okay, so I'm going to take that as a yes." So. If this is something to do with Wellex, it has to be the Romulans. I already made that case to the captain. We need something conclusive. I can't go to the captain and say, we think Romulans are chasing us because Wellex feels wrong. I need something more than that. We Can we have... walk or probe without being noticed? Vryn shakes his head and says, I'm going to go ahead and say no. What do you think, Chief? There's no way. We've Unless we had a cooking. <sighs> I don't know what to say. Um, I need time to figure out what's happening, but it's good to know that I'm not the only one, and it's good to know that I'm not the only one seeing the patterns. Can we... I have an idea. Mm-hmm. Vryn just kind of says, I have an idea. I don't know, though. Um, Commander, how subtle do we want to be? Because you, you said you don't want the, the probe noticed. Just speak plainly. I was just thinking, Chief, what we could do, this is crazy. All right, what we could do, we could rig a trap. Okay. Go okay. on. Go on. Um, Bryn goes, uh, okay, okay. Um, so 
what we could do, we can set a torpedo burst at full spread. Mm-hmm. Not trying to hit anything, but basically to create sort of a, you know, like a, a zone or something like that. But we could rig it to create a tachyon burst. So it's like throwing a tachyon net out into space. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not subtle, but if we can just spot whoever's doing this, I mean, all we're trying to do is unmask our tracker, right? I mean, let's unmask them. Let's do it right. real simple. The next time we detect something, why don't we just pop off a tachyon surge or something? And I don't know. I mean, that's the best I got. I'm not an engineer. Is that even possible? Well, I think it, it just comes down to what's your goal here? Uh, are we trying to disable the ship? Are we trying to spot the ship? Are we trying to catch it? Uh, who knows if it's even there for long enough for a pulse to hit it? We need to take a step back and not just fire random beams at anything that might be a radiation burst because that could have some bad reactions, huh? If we think about it. Just a little. Chief. Yeah. I want you to rig a tachyon burst. Okay, we're doing it, huh? I want to know who's tracking us. I just want to unmask them. I need Mm -hmm. to find out who's been tracking the vessel. If we can tear the mask off, maybe we can force a confrontation and find out who it is. Okay. Whoever it is, they've been spending a lot of time sneaking up our dress, and I'm done with this. I want to know who it is, and I want to get this done now. Can you do it? Oh, wow. Uh, well, I don't have any guarantee that the ship is still in the area, so would you like me just to fire tachyon beams? Or guess? Well, I could rig it to explode, and what was the... Uh... <laughs> Creeping up our dress? What the fuck? Yeah, that was strange. You know what I'm saying? Can you get it done? Vryn goes, yeah, we can get it done. We can, um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll set up a tachyon burst. We'll send something out. Um, the, the problem is, is the chief is right. We'll, we'll need to wait until we see another ping. But the problem with that is, is every time we've identified that there's a ping, it's gone. Like we get the date 10, 20 minutes after it's happened. I want you to do it anyway. Okay. Both of you, I want you to rig a tachyon burst to fire out the aft torpedo bay. I want a full spread. Set it for detonation near the proximity of the asteroid field. We'll do it on our next time around. Whoever's been tracking us has been following us through warp. That's the only way they would know our location right now. They've been following us since Jadaran at least, which means they're not going away. At the very least, let's let them know that we've picked up their scent. It might force them into making a mistake. If you think that is the best course of action, then I will do my best to make it happen. Come on, Vren. And I'll start walking towards the turbo lift. Um, as the two of you get into the turbo lift and the doors close, Vren is quiet for a second and he goes, is Prawl kind of scaring you right now? He's kind of I'm scaring you. I'm just kind of scared all the time, but that was scary, huh? He's talking like he's in the front line of the Dominion War again. Yeah, I, I feel it. I think he's pissed that the captain's down there without a security detail is what it is. And he's taking it you out think? on us. Wow, you're so astute. Sorry, I lash out. That's okay. I'm usually too dim to pick up on it. I know. Anyway, uh, Holodeck 4. 
Uh, what? I'm sorry. Meet me in Holodeck 4. Uh, that's where my lab is. Oh, okay. We'll go to Holodeck 4. Um, yeah. All right. So you and Vren head to Holodeck 4. At about that point, down on the planet side, you see uh, we're back into the scene, waiting in the room. This is a very stark room for all of you. We did There's the phaser th- sweep anyway. <laughs> out of an abundance of caution. You all have been brought food. Um, when the doors open and close, you do notice that Guz has been standing outside your door this whole time on guard. Um, coming into the room, um, carrying a couple of trays of some pretty basic nutrient blocks is, uh, is your favorite Ferengi. He steps into the room and just sets it down on a table that's in the center and says, this is what we get. I hope y'all enjoy. Gray block, you really shouldn't have Sprack. Sprack slides into a seat and starts tearing off a piece, and he's like, the thing I like about this is it's got just enough slime to it that actually, if you close your eyes, it tastes like snails. And he pops it into his mouth. It does have a certain quality of having heard about food once, wouldn't you say, Lieutenant? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, as I as I pick at it, I'm just gonna go for tech. <laughs> I don't think I need to bag a dog for chief tech today. <laughs> <laughs> I think we will leave the dogs where they are for now. You won't let them out. Who? If Eric, Sam's I will not you do from it, this I whole am. game. Yeah. Um. How many minutes has it been? Uh, it's been it's been forty three minutes twenty seven seconds. Exio. Thank you. <laughs> Just uh, I've been I've positioned myself in the crack of the door um, so that every mm-hmm. time that the door has opened, even for a microsecond, I have uh, clocked whatever faces I can. Okay. I am keeping logs okay. of every face that my eyes see. Your database is essentially snapshotting everyone who passes by. Um, as you're standing there, um, Sprack is looking over at Exio and then kind of leans into the rest of you and says, how did she do the uniform trick? That was really interesting. Here's what you need to know about Commander Exio. Okay. As long as she is here, mm-hmm. no one else is the most extraordinary person in the room. Okay. That, um, sounds nifty. Keeps eating. Uh, so James, I think, been watching uh, Sprack for this most of this time because she sees that Exio's got a pretty good handle on the door situation. Yeah. Um, so she's keeping an eye on the captain. Um, but I think that she might try to start up a conversation with Sprack. Okay. Um, basically, she wants to know a little bit more about the Civil War. So, Civil War. Uh, well. When was the last time you had an altercation with Canole? What was that like? Me personally? Yeah, sure. Let's start with you personally. If I had had an alter- altercation with Canole, I'd be dead. I'd, my ears would be on Canole's necklace. He is sick. Does he actually have a necklace made of ears? No, no, I don't think he wears jewelry, but it would be something he would do. Absolutely. Sounds like a fun guy. Uh, what was 
Chiraz's last interaction with Kanal. They tried to kill each other, but uh, Kanal managed to get away. Close, close on that one. If Taraz had just angled that knife a little bit higher. But that's what cost him his eye. Would you say that the playing field is pretty even between the two of them? I mean, this is a safe space. No, absolutely not. Huh. It's not even at all. See, I'm going to tell you a little secret about my good friend Taraz. And he leans in and he says, Canole... He'll do anything. He'll do anything to seize power. Anything. I've never seen anything like it. Taraz won't. He's got uh, principles, I guess. I don't know, but he won't do it. He won't do the things that Knull is willing to do. And it's costing him quite a bit. But it's also winning him a lot of popularity with the disenfranchised. There's a lot of former slaves that are flocking to Taraz because they know what he's trying to do. But it's not enough. Kanol is a bully. He's a murderer. He's the meanest Parisian I've ever, ever heard of. I thought you people were supposed to be nice. And he looks right at you, Macrell. How do you mean? That we are not nice? Well, I... You're nice. But, you know, Kano, not so much. Oh, you're Kaysen. Yes. Sorry, that wasn't... I didn't mean that. I... It's... No, it's all right. Is Kano a Kazinti? That's what it was, yes. The, uh, the cousin, I guess. Yes. I've heard him called a few things. Kazinthi, yes. Interesting. Yes, unfortunately, the Kazinthi do not put a... does not give my race a very good reputation if the two mix. Hmm. Well, sounds like he's living up to that reputation. Kazinti. Kazinti. I have to remember that. And... How long well, this has been going on between Taraz and Kanal? Since the syndicate broke up into little bitty factions scattered across the sector. This is one of the last strongholds of the old Orion crime syndicate. And, uh... Kanol really wants to make sure that it gets a second chance. Mm. Taraz really wants to burn the whole damn thing down. <laughs> I don't blame him for that. And then I'm kind of stuck in the middle of all this. Completely screwed. Why? Utterly screwed. You'd think that someone with morals, you, Ferengi, like your rules, don't you? It seems like you have a pretty clear-cut leader here. What makes you stuck in the middle? This isn't what I normally do. I used to be a daemon. I used to have my own ship. Yeah, well... Seems like no one is what they used to be when they are in this place. Which is kind of why I want to leave. Huh. But, uh... Taraz wants to stay. He wants to change this place. 
Good for him. But the rest of us who aren't freedom fighters or, or uh, I don't know what you want to call us, but uh, for those of you, you know, who are like me, it's not, uh, it's not great, so. Mm. The door's open. Oh. And Taraz steps in and says, everybody else out? Watch the door. And you see the Ferengi get up and say, good luck. Takes a block of the slime with him and he heads out, takes a bite out of it. Um, the door's closed and Taraz says, all right, Captain, here's the deal. You help me get rid of Kanal. I will get you your changeling. And what do you get out of this deal? That's it. Help me get rid of Kanal. Deliver him to the proper authorities if you want. Get rid of Kanal. I'll get you a changeling. That way, I'm free of Kanal, and I'm free of a changeling. Torres, I have a question for you. How is Kanal the only Kazinti um, on this planet, or does he have more Kazinti working for him? Kazinti? Yes. Oh, I had it wrong this whole time. I've been calling him a Pharisian. Whichever he is, I don't know what... I haven't seen any other of his kind, no. He's been here for about six years now. Interesting. Captain, perhaps we should give um, this Knoll a little medical exam as well, hmm? My gut tells me that if this changeling has been impersonating Knoll, it hasn't been for the whole six years, I suspect there really is a Knoll who's either a Sanctity or a Frisian or something yet to be determined. And he really is quite terrible. I should hate to do my job and take him into custody, shouldn't I? Once you have him and your changeling, I will hope that Starfleet within the boundaries of its wanting to enforce interstellar law will allow business here to continue so long as they see some reforms taking place. Do you really think that your smugglers are going to trust this haven as secure now that I've showed up? I think there is opportunity to turn this place into something more than what it is. I put this to you. Any you, this won't be our last visit. Not mine, you understand. I'm sure I'll never see you again. But Starfleets. And if we spot anything, anything untoward under international interstellar law, 
you go down. That's fair. How do we have any confidence that you can deliver on this changeling? I don't know what you've done with yourself for the past hour. There's nothing I can guarantee until you actually see it happen. So I would say let's make this a tentative deal, and when I present you a changeling, then you can go ahead with the agreement. Very well. Return to I, your ship, I and I'll signal you. Hand out to shake. He looks at it for a second and says, did you pick this up on Earth? I pick a lot of things up. Besides, we're not doing things the traditional Orion way in front of these people, are we? No, I guess we're not. And he puts his hand in your hand, shakes. After all, I'm beginning to get the impression that neither of us is a traditional Orion. You've got good instincts, Captain. I get the same feeling. So then we'll hear from you very soon. Yeah, one way or the other. Good. Then I have a slaver to catch. Captain. Yes. In the interest of full disclosure, be this a wise thing to do or not, but since we're playing fair with each other, to secure this changeling, I'm gonna have to do things you're probably not gonna wanna know about. Just so you know, don't go digging. This doesn't need to be any more complicated than it already is. That's don't all I want to make it complicated. I'll do my best. Do it. The door opens. Sprack, get in here for a second. Yeah, what's up? Escort them back to their shuttle. We're going to contact them when the operation is done. What the hell operation are you talking about? Just do what I'm telling you. Okay. Hey, everyone. Why don't you follow me? We're going this way now. We're walking this way. I used to be a daemon, he says, as he passes by. He says, yeah, you keep telling me. Talk to you soon. And uh, Exio glances yes. over and says, thank you for that heads up, by the way. You're welcome. I'm glad it was useful. And with that, Taraz turns on his heel and thuds out of the room, and you watch the Gorn follow after him. Um, moments later, you were all taken down back to the long journey of what got you here. You find yourselves, after about 15 minutes, all the way back at the San Antonio. Um, it remains untouched. It was under guard, apparently, um, as you all boarded up, taking off. And oh, what's up? Before we take off, I actually want to say something to the captain. Sure. Um, if you need a member on the ground to stay behind, I am capable of doing such a thing, Captain. You are capable of so 
much, Commander, and I can't lie, it would put me at ease to know that someone with a sense of morals was on this operation, but the truth be told, if any of them learn about you and who you really are, you would be even more endangered here than I. I can't let that happen to my crew. I admire your protection of me, but I do remind you that even if I was discovered, what would they be able to hold on to? Don't make me ever find out. And I'm coming with. And I step on to the shuttle. You can sense, you can sense the resignation as Exio enters the shuttle. I feel it too. If there were, and as the as as the doors shut, one last quiet. If you were me, would you stay? Open. I turn into one of the, uh, I turn into one of the um, uh, previous uh, crew members that I had seen working on one of the ships since we first yep. entered. Someone I know who probably was on shi- off shift by this point, and I step back off the shuttle. Um, you're you're all un- ready, and I tap on the slap the hull of the ship. vessel as the doors begin to close, and you look at this alien crew member who's not a member of your ship, uh, seeing these. Uh, you, Captain, you can still, because you know Exio, only you can see that it's Exio, only because you know it's Exio. You can see the feeling in the back of the eyes as this individual slaps the hull of the ship and the doors begin to close. And just like that, the USS Ross sends a changeling of its own into the belly of the beast. Um, the doors of the ship close, and <clears throat> Exio, you watch as the San Antonio hovers up into the air. Um, you catch a brief glimpse of someone glancing out the window. You're not able to catch who it is, though. And then <clears throat> you watch as it takes off, and you are left into the eerie silence. Behind you is the criminal underworld, busy at work. You glance down at your ring, and a glove just over the ring. You're on your own, Ekta. Far away from home. I uh, make myself busy. And you step to... um, as you all are breaking orbit, you see that the Ross has changed position. Um, she's at a much higher orbit, and she's actually moving in a different direction. Um, but as you guys break Atmo, you actually get hailed by the Ross. 
Captain, we're being hailed. We're through. Captain. Commander? Your timing is impeccable. We're going to hold off, but we've been detecting. And that, with the concussive shock that happens to the side of the shuttle, that interrupts the transmission, that is where we are going to leave tonight's episode. Excuse me? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, oh, dear. Oh, this is very terrible. Hey, LaCat, how's your uh, maneuvering, eh? How's your evasive maneuver? All I'm saying is we put the doctor on the correct part of the party. Good Lord. We're about to need it. I got some yeah. beads. Um... So that'll Xander, leave us enjoy off. being captain. It's you now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what you didn't realize is that uh, uh, LeCat was uh, LeCat was playing uh, Animal Crossing and wasn't watching where she was going and just like slammed into an asteroid. It was and, always going to end like this. Yeah, it was always going to be. Oh. Yeah, so that's Stop. where we're going to leave off today's Stop episode. Turnips. <laughs> um, that'll do it for tonight's episode. Um, Jake, do you have a final tally? Where did we end up with our we final? We are sitting at $3,222.69. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Um, that's going to be going out uh, tomorrow. Um, thank you all so damn much for annihilating our goals. Um, that is technically 4000 because Q Times has generously agreed to match up to 1000 so tonight we raised 4K. Thank you, Jake and Q Times, for doing that. Um, across the board, that puts us somewhere around with all the streams that have been happening lately. Our our circles of friends have raised close to fourteen thousand dollars now. I would say that puts us at like twelve thousand five hundred, thirteen thousand dollars, something like that, of money that we have raised. Um, thank you guys so much. And it's uh, only Monday. And it's only Monday. Um, yeah, stay tuned. And support the other shows at Q Times too, y'all. Yeah. Q Times other shows. Stay stay tuned um, because for the rest of this week we are going to be doing a lot of uh, we're going to be we're going to continue the fundraising, trying to raise money for this. Um, it's a very it's it's a very important cause. Um, we're also going to be announcing uh, our one shot that we're going to be doing. So stay tuned for that. And we'll get you guys that information as soon as possible. I'd also like to point out as we close out tonight that a fr an old friend of our groups, Havana Mahoney, is currently streaming and also raising money. Um, so if you guys want to go over and check her out, she is hilarious and she's a wonderful streamer. Um, thank you all so much for all of this, uh, all of this help, for supporting Clear Skies and for supporting a good cause. Please stay safe. Take care of each other. We love you guys, and we'll see you next Monday. Until then, hailing frequencies are closed. <laughs>